Millsy and Mason's for Boyd and Ernie. Welcome everybody to episode 10 of Millsy and Mason's Football Hootenanny. Mason, against all odds, we have made it to the big 1-0. Double figures, how does it feel? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed, I'm surprised, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. And what an episode we have coming up for our heroes, because we've got two, that's two amazing features for them today. Firstly, we've got a brand new feature, Anorak versus Anorak. We're pitting two of the greatest footballing minds in yourself and previous guest, Louis, in a competition over, we don't know how long it's going to last, but the next few episodes, they'll have a footballing competition. And then, not only that, Millsy, but just for you, special episode 10, I've organised a little surprise, a current Yeovil Town player, a former Bristol City player. He's played in the championship. He's had over 400 games. It's Mark Little. Yeah, joining us today for a very special episode is Mark Little. Thank you so much for giving up your time to speak to us today, Mark. It's an absolute honour to have you here. How are you doing? No problem at all. I'm very well, thank you. Hope you guys are good as well. Excellent. Yeah, yeah so... We're going to jump straight into the thick of it with our quick fire round, then we'll move on to speak a little bit more about your career. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Off we go. Brilliant. All right, so Millsy, take take the reins, kick us off. Right, I'm going to start off with with a big question. What would you do if you weren't a footballer? Um, Now, uh, with my wise old age, it would be owning some sort of a business. But when I was younger, I I was going to follow suit as my old man, which was, um, he's a mechanic, so I would have probably followed suit that way. Cool. Okay, Euro 96 or Euro 2020? Uh, Euro 2020 for me. 100%. I I don't remember the first one, so same here. Um, All right. (laughs) Best player you ever played against? Um... The one who gave me the most trouble was Jason Kumas when I was a youngster because it was my first first introduction to professional football and that mm-hmm. that that guy was probably I think he got player player of this player of the league or player of the season so I kind of took a lesson from him at that point. Good stuff. Right. Uh, did you ever sign yourself while playing Football Manager or FIFA or an equivalent of that? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I don't play those games, unfortunately. I don't know if that's a sin on your podcast, boys, but I've never, ever played football manager. But I have, I did play myself on it. I was in abroad and playing on a, a, a FIFA game abroad somewhere and I happened to play myself on that. So that's quite embarrassing to admit. But yeah, that's how. Did you showing, win the game? Showing up. I think I was just I was just showing up in front of a load of people in, um, in a hotel resort. So I don't know. I can't remember the score or anything like that. Simon, you're up. Where am I up? I'm up. Uh, Bristol City or Bristol Rovers? No, can't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask me that. Okay. Um, what outfit would you wear on the touchline if you were a manager? I'm a tracksuit guy, me personally. But I, d- I do think that managers should dress up and look well. And I do enjoy when certain managers look the part in a suit and suit and tie and just have a bit of class about them. But... Mm-hmm. I really like to just be comfortable. Like I, I just live in tracksuit, so I think I'll follow suit into that. Nice. Yeah, I think I said something similar last last week actually when when we did that episode. Uh, so that's a good that's a good choice. I think it's lockdown that's done it because previous I had a, a, a wardrobe and my wife was going mad at me because of all the clothes I bought. And then since then I just buy tracksuits. So I think that's what it is. Nice. Well, you made it through the quick fire round. Congratulations for making it this far. Oh, good. <laughs> it was it was a toughie, I'm sure, but uh, you made it. Uh, Mason, you want to ask the first question of the real part of the interview? Yeah, so that, that gives us a little insight into the mind of Mark Little. And on that note, we want to take things back to the start of your career, uh, where you joined Wolves Academy and then signed pro in 2005. Spent five years at Wolves, but a lot of that time was kind of on a variety of loans, Northampton, Chesterfield, Peterborough. Um, just wanted to ask, what's your experience like going out on loans? You know, different teams, different formations, different managers, different playing styles. How did that all kind of mix in together and how did that help develop your game? Um, yeah, that question you've asked there, when you're a youngster and you're just, you're just looking to kind of 
go out and perform. I'll be quite honest, when I was that age, I wasn't really interested in formations and, and stuff like that. Um, the managers were quite direct with what they wanted me to do, which is I need you to do that. And then that's what I try to focus on. I, th- I only think that really comes when you when you get a bit older, really, when you when you worry about those types of things. But yeah, it was all about I went out for my education to learn all those things, to see how different managers operated, different formations, all that sort of stuff. And although at the time, some loans I really enjoyed, some some I was like, oh, I don't really want to go down there. But after leaving and going back, every single one of them was a big part of my career. And, and, I'm, and I'm really glad that I went to every every loan and every every club, really. How does the experience of going on loan differ to being at a club full time? Do, do your teammates sort of treat you differently as sort of you know the, the kid on loan or or like you know you're here to stay is, is there anything like that in there the players don't know the, the your teammates are, are completely fine also I was I always yeah which usually happens I kind of I was I was down a league so the players you, you get a bit more respect from players when you when you've come from a, a higher level and, and that sort of sort of thing so I, I've obviously gone from a walls dressing room where I was a very small fry and and got shouted at quite a bit and and um, the useless kid in the corner to then go into a to a team where you're like highly rated and probably probably one of the better players so the, the you get speak spoken to a lot differently and the same with the managers to be quite honest you, you, um, I, I can't imagine a, a manager would ever be given a lone player a hard time because you just end up going back to your parent club so that's the only the only mm. difference really makes sense okay so you signed for league one side peterborough in 2010 after your successful loan spell uh, 148 appearances in four years what were the discussions you had around that time of signing for peterborough were there other clubs involved in the mix or was it kind of purely because you'd been on loan and it had gone well um, and then, how was it playing with Peterborough for those four years? Yeah, there were there was other clubs, but at that one was it wasn't really too much of a tough decision because I'd been there. As, as I just explained, there you were kind of spoke to differently and, and liked a lot more down there than I was, it, Wolves were in Wolves were in the Premiership and Peterborough on loan. I was in the Champ, and then it, I was signing a, a, a League One club. So, if you can imagine, the lads were very grateful for me to come down there same with the manager so on my loan spell really enjoyed it loved it and all that sort of stuff and then you sign and then it's everything's different then you're a, you're a league one player then so but now I, I I really enjoyed it down at Peterborough genuinely did well you and you had quite a lot of success there didn't you because you got a promotion back to the championship and and you also won your first football league trophy so what yeah. were what were those experiences like yeah superb I, I think I've mentioned this before on other another podcast for for other players that uh, get offered to go out on loan. Like I didn't really, you, I, I had, I, I can say it now because I had a bit of arrogance about me down at that age and a bit of yeah, to too much arrogance really. Where I was in my head, I was a Premiership player without ever even getting close to coming onto a Premiership pitch. Do I mm. want to be going all the way into the middle of nowhere? I, I lived in Central Birmingham, the big I am kind of thing, and then I'm going down to a a, a small town club in the middle of nowhere in league one like the arrogant side of me didn't want to do that but once I got there and I was playing and we were playing in the right leagues we went straight back up into the into the championship and I was playing regularly over and over in the championship and 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 beating these playing against all these players and beating all these teams winning the cups like that was unbelievable experience like really really enjoyable and if I ever met that kid that didn't want to go down there again, I'd give him a big slap around the around the chop <laughs> type of thing. So I I always mention that for other other young lads that get offered down to other clubs. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's definitely worth doing, especially Peterborough, especially Peterborough because they they look after their players down there. Yeah. So then um, you move to Bristol City. Good move. Um, <laughs> What was the what was the the feeling like going going to Bristol City then? Um, what was the, the the thinking behind that? What what? How did that come about? Uh, yeah, I'd been at Peterborough then for four years, and then I, I, I whilst in that four years, Peterborough is a a, a a selling club, aren't they? It's not it's not the type of club that you you spend your whole career there. I don't I can't remember ever a player ever doing their whole career there. It's more of in and out process. So I'd I'd seen a lot of my teammates move on. In, in the right direction they were going up to higher leagues and bigger clubs and stuff like that and I just felt that after that season that I had at Peterborough 
um, we got knocked out in the in the semis of a playoff final. Play, yeah, semis of the playoffs after mm. playing, having a really good season. I must have played ma- majority of the games. I just felt it was my t- like kind of turn or time to to move on. And then luckily, Bristol City needed a, a right wing back, and Mr. Cottrell had seen me play in the um, in the playoffs. So that's just all worked out that way, really. Steve Cottrell, what a king! So uh, then, uh, yeah, you you won League One in your second successive Football League trophy. Uh, you obviously scored uh, City's second goal in the final and one man of the match. Could you maybe take us through that day and that that game? You know, what what was it like? What was going through your head? Um, yeah, I I like you mentioned before, I'd, I'd won it previously with um, with Peterborough, so I'd already gone through the process the year before. So this time I was, it was just a completely different feeling. I was so relaxed. Like I'd experienced it all before. It was kind of like a bonus for me because I'd done, already done the process, already got the dream of winning a cup at a Wembley final. So this year was kind of like a, a bonus. So I kind of, I was so, I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because there was no sick feeling, no anxious, no if, but if, if we, I was quite confident at that time we'd, we'd win the league anyway. So I was kind of, okay, so if we don't win this, We'll still win the league and get promoted and be where we want to be anyway. So I couldn't, I couldn't believe how relaxed I was. I just genuinely enjoyed the day, and and that shows that I had such a good game because I was so relaxed. There was no nerves. I imagine the rest of the boys that hadn't experienced that before were very nervy, and I just went and played and enjoyed myself and ended up with a goal and a, and a, and a man of the match trophy. So it was um, an unbelievable day. It was a good, it was a good day. It was, it was brilliant for the family as well. All the family went down there. Um, yeah, it's just a memory for all of our family, really, now that we'll have forever, yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it sounds like you thoroughly enjoy the day. Did you thoroughly enjoy the evening? Was there a big party afterwards? Is there any stories you can share of what would have happened in that, in that evening slash night slash morning after? Are there yeah. stories you can't share? Sure, your <laughs> listeners will use their imagination, but we were in, yeah, we were in central London in one of the really nice, nicest hotels there is. I can't remember the name of it, to be honest, but we were in a very, very nice hotel in, in, in central London, so... There was a the, the free bar when we got back, I believe. So you can you can use your imagination. We had we had a good time, but yeah, the gaffer was so he was so um, focused on winning the league and promotion. He allowed us to have, I believe, it, I think we had the, the following day off, and then we were back in work. So we just enjoyed ourselves and then got back to Bristol. And then um, June 2019, you became a gas head. You left at the end of, uh, at the end of that season. Um, what was the, the the reasoning behind that, and was were there any sort of um, was there any sort of reaction from from the you know uh, the, the Bristol Rovers fans, you know, because you had been a Bristol City player? No, I don't think there was. I don't think there was. I went to Bolton. This is a difference. I went to Bolton first. I was in Bolton for two years, so it was kind of I wasn't direct. I didn't just jump mm. straight over. And so, if you can imagine all the this is my thoughts on it that this this could be way off but if you can if you're a rovers fan in league 2 and then league 1 and then they they will be working with mates from and and have a lot of friends and family who have are city fans and they kind of hear how well city are doing and hear that I was a big part of that for me to join their club I believe I believe they'd be be quite happy with that. I know it's a. I know it's a. Oh, we ate the. We ate this. We ate the. I was going to swear then. What they call the, the city, <laughs> the city players. But that's all a bit of you know, or, or Pravada or whatever it's called. Mm. But uh, in football terms, I believe that they'd be quite happy to have me, and I, and I felt like that. There was a bit, a bit of you know. There's obviously the old Twitter comment or or Instagram mm. post or something like that. It's, but nothing, mate. Nothing. I was expecting a lot worse. Matty Taylor got it a lot, lot worse. I sat next to Matty in in the Bristol City changing room, so I heard everything that went on with him, and I was that's what I was expecting. I was dreading it, but I I had nothing at all com- compared to that, and I was very grateful for that, which is why I tried everything I possibly could for that club. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned you were at Bolton. I wasn't originally planning on asking about Bolton, but you know Bolton have gone through a lot of trouble since then. Did you sort of see any of that happening as as players sort of at that time, sort of you know in the well calm before the storm, I guess. <laughs> I was I was right in the middle of the storm. I I went through the worst of it. There was a they had a they had their storm 
which I believe was a storm. And then when I moved there, it was kind of everything's been settled now, all the finances have been sorted, let's move forward and build together and, and get back into the Premiership where their club's supposed to be. And that's why I went there. That's what attracted me to get there. Mm. But little did I know, that was so far away from the truth. We It was already in a mess when I signed. So everything that, all the promises that I had that had been sorted, it, it definitely wasn't. So I went through the eye of the storm with not getting paid for six months and all the all the kind of, outside pressures that comes with that in terms of right lads you you should play for the badge on your shirt and you should play for the fans and you should play for the city around which I completely agree with but then at the same time I got a, a wife at home a pregnant wife at home and then, a, and then a newborn and I'm not getting paid so it's kind of very hard to deal with that was a really difficult time in my career to deal with but um came through it in the end we got through it and I put it put it behind me and it's just a massive shame because the club that I grew up Bolton which was regular finishing in Europe and things like that in the premiership watching uh, JJ Okocha fly around for the, to, yeah. to play for the club it's an absolute honor so it was it's, it's a bit it was sad but but it seems now they've kind of turned it round and I genuinely mm. hope that the new owners can do what they that I expected them to do when I signed there, which was climb back up the leagues and get back where they should be. Mm. There's no reason why not, to be quite honest. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so so after your two years at Bolton, you then moved to Bristol Rovers, and you touched upon Twitter and Instagram a, a moment ago. So obviously, you you did experience you know racist um, abuse online earlier this year on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Why do you think that still happens in the modern day of football? It doesn't seem to happen in many other sports, really, uh, at least in England, but it seems to be a common occurrence still in, in football. Yeah, that is a point. Yeah, I haven't really, I never got asked that question really, but like, it, it's a big point you made. It doesn't really happen in other sports or doesn't get reported as much in other sports. Um, <laughs> but make it clear, it was not, the, the abuse that I received was nothing from the the the, the, per, the police tracked it down to somewhere in a, a, an eastern european web address which we assumed anyway from from the the name that it was so it was it i wouldn't be able to sit here and say oh it was because i was playing for bristol rovers or it was because it was it wasn't anything football related either it was just I played on the Saturday or not played on Saturday I can't remember which one it was but then I was definitely I was at home walking walking down the beach with my little one and and then I had um yeah the abuse came through on on my Instagram page so it was so ridiculously random it was ridiculous and I didn't ha- I didn't even need to kind of report it or anything like that I just kind of took a screenshot and posted happy sunday with 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 the set of proof and then the club the police the, the community trust within the club, they all jumped to action whilst I was kind of having my day with the family. So it was, that was all taken care of for me. It wasn't me. I wasn't needing to kind of, I wasn't, I didn't call the police or I didn't, do, do, do you see what I mean? P- people yeah. that came to my defence straight away and I sh- expressed how grateful I was with that and, and thanked everyone, everyone that I could with it. It was, it was, it was a really nice feeling to show the amount of support. Do, do you see what I mean? It wasn't, yeah, it's not. I, I can I can see how it comes across to certain people. Not not that it's right or anything. That it's oh, they're always crying about. What do you, how would I put it? Reporting it constantly and talking about it. If I don't talk about it, it'll go away and all that sort of stuff. But I didn't do any of that. I li- I was literally just I was literally walking down the beach with my son to get abused for absolutely no reason. So yeah, and then after that happened, I got asked to ask my opinion on it and similarly to yourselves kind of can I can I express my feelings and usually I well sorry previous I, w- I wouldn't have bothered because I didn't feel I had much of a place to say anything but I'm at an age now where I can kind of I can take it with with my tough skin and if mm. I can do all the talking and yapping away which people probably get annoyed about but I'm here I'm here to stay I'm not going anywhere um, <laughs> that saves the younger generation doing it that saves um well I, every team that I've in there's been young young lads it doesn't even need to be it doesn't even need to be racism it could be discrimination of any any sort there's going to be young players that I don't I, I think that young players should be concentrating on their career and con- concentrating on getting better at football and not having to deal with this rubbish so if I have to sit and talk on podcasts and, and news reporters and things like that then I will be and, and and not not just talking going ahead and doing what I can to kind of 
solve this issue. I don't think I'll ever, I don't think we will solve this issue in my generation, but I can do as much as I can to help. You don't, you don't just like, don't bother dealing with it. You, you, you do what you can. And, and that's where I am with it really. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, I guess it's a difficult thing to solve completely. Right. But um, we've just obviously had the, the incidents very recently after the, the championships with uh, the free players receiving su- su- similar abuse. Um, and I think a lot of that was also kind of detected to Eastern Europe or at least not in England. A lot of it was not in England. Do you think, you know, that an easy way to tackle this to a degree is Twitter and Instagram requiring um, identity checks and stuff before they start, right? Yeah, there's, it's it's such a, it's a sorry, I was going to say it's a simple fix. It's not, it's not a simple fix at all, because like mm-hmm. I said, you won't solve racism. But what it will do is have a massive, massive effect with 90 90 plus percent of of the abuse that's given is people come up for my example with my my one the abuse was sent within with uh, like i said i was walking down the beach but uh bristol rovers whether it was bristol rovers or the police or whether it was the community at bristol rovers they tried to find out who the situation was and they said mark before you posted it within 10 minutes it disappeared um, and there's nothing stopping that particular person from starting another account and abusing someone else in the space of literally less than a minute. You can do that. That will stop all of that. And that's and that's what it's screaming out for. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not a big shop social media owner or anything like that. But I'm pretty certain it's got something to do with revenue. Why they won't do it? Because if they, if it was something, to, if it was to do with anything mm. else, I just can't get my head around what that. That makes perfect sense to me. That if they do have to require ID, and that gets rid of all their bots and gets rid of all the, um, gets rid of all the vile people and gets rid of all the fake accounts and all that sort of stuff. Users will go probably more than half, which means the company's worth less which means someone at the top's losing a lot of money. So that's why I sit here and get abused. That's why everyone else gets abused. That scenario makes sense to me. I'm not saying that is it, but I'm pretty certain. I can't think of any other reason why not. I haven't heard anyone tell me another reason. So that's that's what, that's where I come from. So in my family, we sit here, any abuse that we get online is because and it could get that could be stopped, but that would mean someone would have less money, and and it's pathetic, really. It's it's, it's disgusting at the end of the day. It is. It's rubbish. But um, mm. but yeah. So when so when we had when my my situation happened, it was over a weekend where there was kind of a influx of it. There was definitely Marcus Rashford, and there was another couple of other Premiership players that had abuse over that weekend. So mm. it kind of raised awareness, and then from that. It got into Parliament and then the social media, one of the big social media giants changed a couple of words in their policy that weekend. So then everyone was thinking, oh, that's a great step forward. We're moving forward. It's brilliant. And then a couple of months later, we have the incident at the Euros and then it's all back tenfold. And now we've got, again, politicians saying, we've got to make a stop now. And I was like, well, what was wrong with three months ago? What was wrong a year ago? What was wrong when I was 17 when I was getting abused? That, that was a few years ago. There was what, what you're trying to make a difference now when three young absolute heroes that are so loved and adored and popular, now you feel it's necessary to make a stance. But mm-hmm which will probably help your voters and, and help your, your party look pretty good. But before then, years and years, even before I was born, there was this 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 this, this scenario would have been happening where footballers would be getting abused and still nothing's really drastic has happened about it. You have a little moan up, nothing gets done and then I'll get abused again next week. So that's, that's where we are and, that, and that's why everyone's screaming and shouting about it and that's why the opposition are getting, well, why are we still talking about it? Well, that's why we're still talking about it, because it's it's inevitable that it's going to happen again and again and again and again. Absolutely. It's just sad. Yeah, it's horrid. I mean, I, I have some friends say to me sometimes, you know, we should stop taking the knee because it's irrelevant now, you know. But it, it, it's not, for, for me, it, at least, and again, I don't have, obviously, I don't have any experience of it personally, but I, I feel it's not irrelevant as long as it's it's still a part of the game, you know? I mean, 
what what are your thoughts on, on sort of the taking the knee of the England players and, and, and that? Do you do you still think that's what they should do? Do you think they should stand up and, you know, fist in the air, something like that? That's the whole point of it, is because it's to raise awareness. So it's happened it happens and then like you say, your friends mention it. So now we're talking about it. So it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. So when so when I've seen I, I I listened to it on the the Olympics, someone speaking about it, um, they were talking about whether someone should take the knee on the podium, and this person who who happened to have no uh, Caucasian white person was like, well, I don't think this should happen on the podium. I think that it should happen at a different time. I think this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other. But why why would it be up to that person to decide when? A person that's regularly abused would like to stand up, would like to make a stand and would like to raise an awareness. Who and how gives them the right to say when? How would you how could you do a protest and be told when and when you can, um, how you do it? And this is how this is how it is. Listen, I'll completely understand if you're if you if you're causing criminal damage or or causing businesses problems or, or causing any sort if you if you're causing a problem, why else you do it? Then I completely agree. There should be rules and regulations around that. But taking a knee is not hurting anybody. It's not. It literally takes less than 30 seconds of a football match. So it's it's a peaceful protest. So I'll be keeping up and doing it. I'll be doing it forever, even if referees say you're not supposed to be doing it, because I don't know many don't know many uh, coloured referees. To be quite honest, it'd be a white person telling me I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to do something. No, no, no. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't work that way. It's not. It doesn't mm. work that way. So, I'm still for it. It's sad that people think it's for something else. I get told all the time it's for. Oh, you're only doing it for for politics. I'm not doing it for politics. I hate politics with a passion. I've got anything. I don't. I don't follow a cause. I don't. I don't do all the. I hate it because it's 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 a horrible thing that we have to deal with. Mm. So, I do it. I I I go on a knee because I get racially abused when I try and do my job. And I'm sick of it, and I don't. And I hope that the youngsters coming through, inclu- including my two-year-old son, I don't want them to have to deal with it. So that's why I get on a knee. So when your friends say, "Oh, it's irrelevant now," it might be irrelevant for you, but it's still relevant for me, and it's still irrelevant for my two-year-old boy. So I respect your opinion, but it means absolutely nothing to me, and I'll still be going on a knee. And that's that's the way that I look at it, and that that's the way that that's 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 the way my head works. To be quite honest. Absolutely. Well, well said. Well said. Um, before you, you do go, I would like to um, ask you about Yeovil. Yeovil is another one of my teams, um, you know, being a West Country boy. We've, we've been through a bit of the ringer the past few years. Um, what, you know, are, are the expectations for this season? Is, is it to go back up or is it to stabilise themselves at this level? What, what, what What's sort of the talk going, going around the team at the moment? Well, it's definitely not stabilised because I don't expect to be at the bottom of the table. I'll be quite honest. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to start the season. I, re- I really am. Every day in training and the game that we played recently, I'm just I'm looking at thinking this is this is actually really good. I was really impressed with the team, the players that I'm playing with, the standard of football that we're playing. I, I I I'm I'm enjoying it. Football is a strongly backed by finances and you, mm. you can see that the, the teams with the most money usually go up, up higher so I'm not saying that we're going to go and compete with Wrexham and and who really think I think I think uh, Stockport are having a go this year Notts County maybe so I believe those three are going to be up and around there and if we're in contention with them that's my personal aim and I hope that's what the rest of the lads will be doing because from a, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you what our, our our budget is to be quite honest, but I feel if it's in and around the majority of the teams, I believe that our squad will give a good account of ourselves. And me going out there leading it, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to accept anything else to be honest. So we, um, I, I'm excited for the season. I really am. Very cool. I'm not. I'm not. You know, you, you, I'm sure you get these um, boring answers. It's like, yeah, we're just, we're going to go and win the league. Yeah, I'm, that's not, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be realistic about it. If we win the league, I will be very, very happy because that would mean that we defy. We would have done a, a Leicester, which is beat all the top top money spenders. And mm. why not? Do you know what I mean? Why not? Music to Millsy's ears. That is, he'll be Absolutely. very happy with that answer. 
All right, then. Um, yeah. Good luck to you and Big Darren Sauer and the boys. Um, Thank you. You know, give, give them our give them our uh, our greetings and everything. Um, games. We've got the game Saturday with the fans back in the ground. Uh, my first game at Hewish Park, so I'm excited for that. Oh, big Hewish! You you can't beat it. You can't beat the Thornton stand. <laughs> um, I keep hearing. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Okay, so um, you do. We do want to talk to you about um your app. You have an app coming out. Uh, would you like yeah. to? Very nearly, very very nearly. I would have liked to have it done before the team's gone back to gone back. But um, yeah, I've got um, invested in an app. We're building an app that basically controls the fine system within a dressing room. A lot of teams, probably ninety percent of the teams, operate with a with fine system in dressing rooms where we'd have a set of fines or a set of rules, as you'd say, and if you're usually late for example if you're late you'll be fined i think it's 25 quid at yeovil but that might be i think 2500 quid at chelsea so obviously the the amounts check vary but um every dressing room user a fine system but i was made um fine master at bristol rovers and i did a did a small bit of a bolton as well but it's um it was very old school it was very write write everyone's name down in a black book write it down pen and paper collect the cash run to the bank hand the money into the bank man then the bank man would say what's this money for why, why are you handing in 10 five pound notes where have you got that from and all that sort of stuff. we've kind of so when i was doing that at Bristol rovers i was kind of thinking this is this is antique this is like this is caveman stuff mm. so we've now we're basically taking it digital and putting it all together within a uh, an application on your smartphone where all the lists, uh, fine lists, player lists are all consolidated in one place. Um, you can pay your fines through there. The app kicks, um, keeps record of who's, pay, who's paid, who hasn't paid, sends notifications to late payers, things like that. Um, and there's also, a, there's also a feature where you're, there's an option to donate to all chari charitable causes because what usually happens, you, you will accumulate your fine, you'll get a pot mid-season or end of season um and the lads genuinely we, we raised quite a bit of money at bristol road i think in in the region of seven seven hundred quid i think we donated to charity we donated to darbs rimmer rimmer uh this year one of my old teammates um stephen darby unfortunately he's going through what he's going through but so we um donated it to him so that's just that bear, bearing in mind we didn't have a christmas do out of that one but we uh, we we donated a large chunk to a charity there and i just thought i'm pretty sure that lads footballers in general would do a lot more um giving and donating and things like that. if someone organized it for them i genuinely believe that I, I could go through a whole season and not think right i'd need to go and do that but if there's something in front of them saying right here's an opportunity to give to a good cause i believe a lot more can be done so just added that feature in there and so far that people are thinking it's a brilliant idea and hopefully it raises a lot of money for charity at the same time so that's the idea. We're nearly, nearly, nearly ready. Um, we're looking for a few teams to kind of test the pilot at the moment, but definitely by Christmas we will be 100% rocking and rolling. And by the end of the season, I'd, I'd like to come back and say that we've, we've, the app's functioning well. A lot of people are using it, and we've donated some money to charity. So that's um, that's the plan. Well, it sounds great. I mean, I think we can definitely use it ourselves. I'll have to put a prepayment down on being late um, just to make things easier, pay straight up. Um, what was the biggest fine that you saw during your career? What was it for? And if you could say who, that maybe is a bit of a grey area, but uh, what, was the, what was the biggest fine? Minus the, um, what usually happens, a club, a club would have a, a club fine. So this is not so much in the dressing room, but if you were to get sent off, and causing problems maybe getting sent off twice in a season you might get fined two weeks wages for that so if you can imagine that this is going back to my walls days and and if you if you're getting sent off in the premiership and your, your wages are <laughs> quite high that could be a big 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 chunk of money that that goes that goes into a into a fine pot um so they would be the biggest ones but usually late usually Without without the uh, the football side ones, they're they're the more serious ones. The the biggest ones would be late late on a match day because 
you it's just it's just impossible for you to be late on a match day you can't you can't be late on a match day um if you leave training on friday the managers usually say well if you leave training at, at 12 o'clock on friday you've literally got 24 hours to get yourself in <laughs> and if you don't if you can't turn up in the time it deserves a, a big fine if the manager can't get his team talk across because he's waiting for a player who's stuck in traffic then that was a big fine the another one which is put on usually at a club you'd have your initiation song so your first um your first away trip you'd have to sing a song for everyone at, at dinner that's quite a, quite a common one so the fine for not doing that is usually ranked right up so uh, um it, uh, at Yeovil this year it's 250 quid and then at the likes of Wolves you're probably talking about 10 grand if you don't sing so wow. uh, what, what did you sing Mark at, at Yeovil uh, I haven't done mine yet. I haven't done mine. I, I won't tell you what I did at Yeovil, no, because I, I won't tell you what I've got in my mind. But I've done a, <laughs> I've done a few. Um, I've seen some good ones as well. There's some there's some some good singers. <laughs> You'd be surprised. There's good singers. Carl Henry bought a guitar one year. I, Carl Henry, mind blowing. I never thought he'd have it in him, but he's he can play the guitar. He did a bit of Bob Marley and um, Adam, Adam Matthews at now at Charlton. Like he could go on X Factor. He genuinely could go on X Factor. Oh. He's on um, not some not even like he just he stood up there with his spoon in his hand and then he said, "Oh, what do you want me to sing?" And he's quite a sort of character that I think he's quite a quiet lad. And to what do you want me to sing? And I thought, "Oh no, this isn't going to go well." And someone shouted a song and then he just reeled it off like a cappella and just cracked on. And yeah, well, we we need we need a new jingle, Mark. So if you could maybe put us a, put a word in for us with one of these guys, yeah. that'd be all. <laughs> you need to get hold of Adam Matthews. It definitely won't be me. I promise you that now. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Uh, maybe, maybe last question. Very last question, if we can. Um, what's sort of the funniest or most ridiculous thing someone has done to get fined uh, that you've seen during your career, or maybe that you've heard of? Um, let me think. For example, I had a mate turn up late for school, and he said uh, it was because his dishwasher was broken, so he had to wash his own cereal bowl. Oh, there's, there, there is, there is some special ones out there. There's special. One, one player got got stuck in his lift in his house. Um, we find, we find, um, we find a player at Bolton for his bad parking because he, um, <laughs> he parked, uh, he parked in, not even like a double yellow line. It was like on the pavement outside of a bank in the city centre so obviously he got picture was taken with his private his private plate on and then all over twitter so we put that down that was that was not representing the club how we would like to be so that that was a fine as well that was a random one but we've got a fine now at yeovil's now for just general nonsense so anything that every if you can imagine you've got some every club has 30 players and within 30 players you've probably got five lads that are way out there like so special kind of thing and they're, they're through the course of the season you know something really random is going to happen so yeah it's something to look forward to really are there any um are there any currently in the yoga dressing room you can pick out as you know someone who might get a lot of fines oh yes definitely i can't i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna name their names of course really <laughs> but we, we've discussed this earlier actually there's a there's a group of three lads that were like they're 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 literally so out there like they're, <laughs> they're gonna be uh they're going to be up to all sorts in Yeovil. Your lads, city, city lads, lads that have grown up in cities that have, have now t- moved all the way down to the to the West Country, down in the fields and farms. They're going to they're going to be interesting to watch. I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking forward to the season for things like that. Yeah, right. wonderful. All right. So I think that that concludes the interview. Then thank you so much, Mark, for coming on. It's really a big pleasure to meet you. It really is. Thank you so much. I hope the pod goes really well, boys. I really do. Thanks Cheers. a lot, Mark. Appreciate it. That was it, dear hearers. That was our interview with the fantastic Mark Little. We talked Bristol Rovers. Gross. We talked Bristol City. Nice. We talked Yeovil Town. Amazing. I mean, I couldn't push him on um, City or Rovers. I'd like to think he played for City longer, so I'd like to think that um, that would be the choice. But we'll never know. Maybe, maybe in years to come, it will come out. What was your, what, what was your highlight of the interview, Mason? How, how did you find it? 
Ah, that was incredible, Millsy. I absolutely love that. Um, I mean, what a, what an experience for us, and hopefully the, the listeners and hearers uh, agree. That was a really, you know, great interview. A great amount of time spent there. We could have covered so many more topics. I'd have loved to talk about his, you know, England under under nineteen career. Um, but we we had so many questions more that we just couldn't get to in the time that we had. But what a great, you know, passionate guy. Absolutely loved it. Um, really interesting takes on the game. Absolutely. He he was he was a real king. Honestly, there's there's no other word for it. He was a king. Now though, we have to move on to our second segment of the day, and that I believe is Anorak versus Anorak. Okay, welcome everyone to our brand new feature. This one's called Anorak versus Anorak. We have my co-host Nicholas Mills in a very special contest now against former guest Louis. Louis, welcome back to the pod. How are you doing? Hello, chaps. I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm just um, I'm ju- I've just been coming to terms with my newfound fame actually since since you kindly let me on the first time. I'm getting you know, recognised on not on the street, but on the phone because of my voice. I'm getting asked about the appearance. So yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind actually since my appearance on the show. But I'm, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying my new life. Mm, yeah, I mean, it happened to me recently. I was walking down the street. I don't know how this happened, but um, someone uh, recognised me on the street. They pulled over and said, "Hey, are you Millsy of, of of Millsy and Mason's Who tonight?" I mean, to be honest, it was Mason doing the shouting. But still, it was it was nice. It was nice, nice to hear. That, that did truly happen as well. It did. Right, well, I guess over here in London must be through the roof because because I am getting uh, every time I open my mouth, I'm getting I'm getting asked. Right. Well, we'll try and keep everyone's feet on the ground, and we're gonna have uh, five weeks. We're gonna start with week number one on a special topic: English cups. So for those, uh, as this is a new feature, each week is gonna feature a new topic. And like I say, today is going to start with English Cups. We're going to have three questions today. And the first question is as follows. And Louis, as the guest, I'm going to ask for your answer first. This is not a fastest finger. I'm going to give Louis the, the chance to answer first. Which player has the most FA Cup wins and how many wins does he have? Now, you don't need to get the number right to get the point, but this will be a tie break in case... Nick gives the same answer. So it's just a, it's an, I, I get first dibs on the answer effectively. Yes. Um, so the answer is Ashley Cole. And I think the number, I'm going to have a stab at six. I okay. am going to absolutely concur with that answer because I know it is also Ashley Cole with six. I'm oh. not as confident about the six as I am the Ashley Cole. I had I had I had Ashley Cole in my head with, with with six as well. So two anoraks can't make a wrong. Is I think is the saying, isn't it? I'm not sure that's the saying, but um, we'll stick with it for now. So he won three FA Cups with Arsenal, but how many FA Cups did he win with Chelsea? He won four FA Cups with Chelsea, so that means he had seven. It means both of you are incorrect in the first ever question of this brand new feature. So we'll move very swiftly on and pretend that never happened. Now, the FA Cup is famous for potential giant killings with teams very far apart in the footballing ladder playing each other. What is the biggest gap between two teams in an FA Cup match? And I'm going to ask Millsy to answer this one first. The biggest gap of a giant killing? Gap. I don't need the teams. I need the biggest gap in their respective positions in the footballing ladder. But they don't need. It doesn't need to have been the smaller team that won. It's just they played each other. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not looking for a giant killing. I'm just looking for the potential giant killing. So the biggest uh, gap between two teams in an FA Cup match. Millsy will guess first, and then it will go to Louis, and then we'll see who's the closest. Closest gets the point. All right. I'm gonna say. That there were a hundred and fifty-six places between them. Do you want to have a stab at the game as well, Millsy? I feel like you deserve credit if you get that right. I know that I'm pretty sure I know the biggest giant killing. I'm not sure if it was FA Cup or League Cup. It must be FA Cup. I think it was Newcastle United getting beaten by 
I think Old Trinkum or, or someone or Accrington Stanley. Who are they? Um, someone like that. So I'm going to say I think I think the biggest gap could have been last year's Tottenham against Marine. In terms of a number, Simon Mason, I'm going to give you lower than Millsy because it's there's 92 football league clubs and it's only going to be a couple of divisions below. I think about 130. I was saying thinking 130 when when you started talking about Marine. Mason. So the match itself was. Eighth tier Marine against Premier League Tottenham in the third round proper of the FA Cup on 10th of January 2021. But there were 161 spots oh! between them. Millsy got the wrong match, but an absolutely amazing guess. Only five out there. Millsy has feel. So Marine are very far down the pyramid. Mm, they are indeed very far down. And honestly, I feel ecstatic at being able to win the first point. Uh, that's the first point get, being given out in the history of Anorak versus Anorak, isn't it? It's the first ever point. And, and Louis, you need this one to tie up the first ever uh, competition here. And this one is going to be a uh, taking it in turns to answer. The last one standing wins the point. OK, so it's an elimination here. The Football League Cup was introduced in 1960-61 season and was named as such for 20 years. But since the 81-82 season, it has had nine different names. So let's take it in turn to name them. You can pick the order. It doesn't have to be a um, consecutive order. So we'll start again with Louis. And give me any other names of a Football League Cup, please. Well, or the sponsors, uh, essentially. I'll go for the famous, everybody's favourite isotonic sports drink, the only on the market, to my knowledge, Carabao, the Carabao Cup. Yeah, from 2017-2018 to present, Carabao Cup. Millsy. Okay. I was confused with which cup we were talking about. When you said Football League Cup, I thought you meant the lower division cup, like the RDV Vans. Okay. Well, foul of that, thinking about it. It's lucky, Millsy, uh, that Louis was answering first there because you would have been out very quickly. So yeah. now um, you know what we're talking about. What do you want to say? I want to say that it was at one time called the Coca-Cola Cup. Yeah, between 92, 93 and 97, 98. Coca-Cola Cup for about five seasons. Louis? We'll follow that with the Worthington Cup. No, Worthington. Was... Worthington's followed Coca-Cola, 98, 99 to 2002, 2003. You say there's nine of these, Simon. Blind. Yeah. Oh, well, those are those are the three I had in my head. What else could it have been called? I don't want to pile on the pressure, but I've got one more, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> Mind games have begun. I'm thinking Heineken Guinness can't be those. Well, I, I have a weird feeling it was called something like the Milk Cup at some point. So that is correct. The Milk Cup was the first ever named sponsor from 8182 to 8586. And that was mine as well. So, Coca-Cola Cup, Worthington Cup. I feel like a few of these are going to be absolutely kick yourself stuff. How long can you be signed on a podcast? That's the that's the, that's the, that's the balance I'm striking here. As as long as I can drag the cursor to edit it out, it's fine. None of this will make it in. Um, I do have one more, though. I do have one more. I'm going to put the pressure on you there. I think I'm deserving of a countdown at this point, lads. And I think... Yeah, I'm going to have to start to rush you, Louis, I'm afraid. Give me a 10-second warning. OK, 10 seconds it is. He's looking down out of shot here. I feel like he might be looking at a photo. OK, yeah, if we can see your hands, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> that's my that's my face of desperate thought, unfortunately. Um, I'm out, guys. I, I, I really feel like I'm going to kick myself with some of these because I think there's been there's been quite a few sponsors since Coca-Cola, right? Mm. I don't think of any of them. I think one of them was, did we already say this is the Carlington Cup? Oh, the Carling Cup. The Carling Cup? The Carling Cup. I, I'll take a defeat, by the way, but the Carling Cup. Of course, the Carling Cup. So, yeah, Carling did follow Worthington's uh, from 2003. It was a sponsor for eight seasons, guys, from 0304 to 1112. Yeah, the Carling. But, uh, that's unfortunately, uh, even though Nick kind of butchered the, the naming, uh, Louis was out of time and, and lost yeah. that round. So it's, Millsy takes the victory 2-0. The others you could have had after Carling was Capital One. Uh, they only, only sponsored it for three or four seasons. Mm. Um, 
we then had a, a, a secret answer. It's just the EFL Cup for one season where there was no sponsor. Um, I would have also accepted it. Uh, prior to Coca-Cola, there was the Rumbelows Cup. Rumbelows, yes, yeah. of course. That only lasted two seasons. And before that, for about three or four seasons, the Littlewoods Challenge Cup. Yeah, Littlewoods, that stuff of legends before our time. <laughs> so that was the end of Anorak versus Anorak, first ever edition. Join us again next week. Millsy leads one to zero. We'll see if Louis can pull well it back. Played, well played. Thank you very much. I'm very happy with my win. I can't wait for next week now already. All right. Well, that was the first ever installment of Anorak versus Anorak. Mason, how did you find it being Quizmaster for the first time? I love being a quiz master, me. It's a great pastime for me, of mine, researching questions, looking up answers, uh, pitting two great footballing minds against each other. I'm already looking forward to episode two next week. Well, I think that probably does it uh, for today. Um, all that's left to mention is follow us on socials. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, but we're not active there, so don't bother with that. Uh, but the others, you probably should. Um, Mason, you probably want to tell us about our Perfect Picks League as well. Yeah, so we've set up a Perfect Picks League, similar to what we did in the European Championships. Uh, so we're setting that up for the Premier League. A couple more weeks to go until we start, so get signed up and play along. Great. Um, we'll see if we can get Mark on it, shall we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. And um, yeah, rem remember to um, check out Mark's app as well. It's called Fine Master. Um, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun and it also sounds like it could do a lot of good. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Brilliant. And on that note, I guess we should say thank you, everyone. Big episode 10 is over. See you next time. Millsy and Mason's football, who's nanny? 